Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is the lunch rush at your local deli. Orders are flying in online, on the phone, and in person. Order for Nick. So is it possible that fast internet could help your business outrun the rush? It is with Comcast Business. Powering your connected devices with gig speed Wi-Fi and fast downloads and uploads. With Comcast Business, next level speed isn't just possible, it's happening. Comcast Business. Powering possibilities. Requires gigabit internet and compatible router. Actual speeds vary. This is the VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. Here is Adam Burke. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, May 2nd edition of VSIN Daily Baseball Bets. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Happy to be with you. We've got a full card here for Tuesday, all night games, all 30 teams in action, 15 games across the board. Got a lot of stuff to get to on today's card, so that's going to be the biggest part of today's show, actually the vast majority of today's show. But I do want to remind you over at vsin.com, our NBA and NHL playoff hubs, the postseasons in both leagues have been very, very exciting to say the least. So we got a lot of content about those over at vsin.com. Our Kentucky Derby betting guide will come out here on Thursday. So I'll give you a look. I did a preview of the Kentucky Oaks that will be in that guide. We'll also have Dave Tooley's thoughts along with some other horse racing experts on the Kentucky Derby as the run for the roses coming up here on Saturday. So you can look forward to that over at vcin.com. And again, a lot of stuff over there. If you subscribe, $9.99 a month for the introductory offer, and then you can decide what you want to do after that. Uh, we've got different subscription options available for you over there. College football betting guide coming out in a little over two months. NFL betting guide coming out shortly after that. So you got a lot of stuff to keep you busy over at vcin.com. And make sure you're checking out all of our podcasts as well. I talked about the playoffs in the NBA and the NHL, Hardwood Handicappers, Hockey Betting Podcast, VSIN Daily Baseball Bets, First Strike, our MMA betting podcast. Uh, you got Josh Applebaum's two podcasts on a daily basis as well. Tons of stuff going on here with our VSIN family of content. So rate, review, subscribe, five-star reviews, definitely appreciated for all of our podcast content. All right, one thing I want to mention here before I dig into the Tuesday card, and as I said, that's going to take up the majority of the show. We'll do things a little bit differently because I had a lot of thoughts on today's 15 games. Four plays ultimately made the cut, but there was a lot to talk about. Longest article over at vcin.com of the season for me, and you can check out that article Monday through Saturday over there at the website. But this was the longest article of the season for me because there were so many different things to talk about in so many of these games. So that'll be the majority of today's show. But before I get to that, 
I just wanted to mention, and I talked about this in the intro to that article, um, it is bleak out there right now in terms of pitcher injuries. There have been a lot of pitchers going to the injured list here. There was a new piece at The Athletic today, Eno Saris, one of the co-writers of that, talking about how this April was tied for the most pitchers to go on the injured list since 2000. So I don't know if this has anything to do with the pitch clock. The studies for minor league baseball were suggesting that it actually helped pitcher injuries. I don't know if that'll be the case at the MLB level on certainly the early returns look like that is not the case at all. But I just wanted to remind you of something I talked about earlier on in the season here on these shows about looking at minor league call-ups and, and what they mean, you know, what those statistics mean. And it's important, just like I've talked about with the major league pitchers, you can go to fan graphs, you can go to the game logs tab and look at game logs for the minor league performances. Some guys may just have a bad start. Some guys may be giving up home runs in all of their starts, stuff like that. So you want to apply some context to those numbers from the minor leagues. And also keep in mind, the minor leagues all play kind of differently. You know, in, in double A, you've got three different leagues that all play a little bit differently because of where they are geographically. For AAA, the International League is largely the Midwest and the East Coast. The Pacific Coast League is out west in the desert, in altitude, and a lot of places where the ball tends to travel pretty well. So you have to apply context to these minor league statistics of these pitchers that are being called up. So if they're guys in the PCL, I mean, look, the league average ERA in the PCL is like 550. So you know, if you're better than that, then you're actually doing a hell of a job given the tough environment, the tough conditions you have to deal with. If you got a 550 ERA in the International League, well, that's not very good. The ERA there is probably in the 420s or 430s, something like that. So apply the proper context to these pitchers that are getting called up because these injury situations are not going to be going away. And I think that's a good starting point here for some of the things I looked at on this Tuesday card. And as usual, I like to run through these games generally by rotation number, which means the National League first, American League second, Interleague third, which is how the article goes every day over at vcin.com. And let's start with this first game on the board here. We got the Braves and the Marlins. Bryce Elder going for Atlanta. Sandy Alcantara going for the Marlins here. And the Marlins a sizable favorite in the minus 130s. But for Alcantara, it's just not the same this season. I noticed a couple of things here with him that I don't necessarily think are injury related, uh, but his release point is a lot higher this season and his extension is closer to home plate than it was last season. Now, when you're throwing 97-98, extension being close to home plate should be a good thing, right? Because hitters already don't have a whole lot of time to react, and now you're giving them even less time to react when you release the ball. The thing about it for Alcantara, though, is that I think it has impacted where he's been locating his pitches. His sinker hasn't really come in on the corners, in on the hands as much as it did last season, and his changeup has been elevated a little bit as well with that higher arm slot. So he's getting about the same amount of vertical break, vertical movement on his pitches, but the difference is they're coming from a higher arm slot and also coming closer to home plate. So higher arm slot closer to home plate means that you kind of have to start that pitch a little bit lower in the zone to kind of give it a little bit more tilt, sort of throw it at a little bit more of a downhill plane. Alcantara is not really doing that as of yet. He's given up a lot more hard contact than what we've seen from him. And also his ground ball percentage is down almost 10%. 
from last year when, of course, he won the National League Cy Young Award. His hard hit percentage is pretty high here as well relative to where he typically is and certainly his exit velocity. So this is a thing for him where I think it's largely mechanical in nature, and we'll see if the Marlins are able to make some of these adjustments with him and kind of get him back on the right track. But I know there are some people that anytime you get a pitcher of his caliber in the minus 130 range, they're going to jump on that. And right now, I don't know if he's a guy that I want to lay prices with, especially against a lineup like Atlanta's. Now, could he go out there today and pitch absolutely fantastic? Sure, he definitely could. And he could neutralize that Braves offense. And of course, he's back at home at Marlins Park. But there are some things, some concerns that I have about Alcantara's profile, and I wrote about them in the article. And, you know, I've gotten some feedback here recently, specifically on Twitter, about noticing that horizontal release point change for Rich Hill and how Rich Hill has been far more effective here uh, over his last four, three or four starts. And look, I'm just trying to find edges anywhere I think we can find them. And I'm not a biomechanics guy. I don't have any sort of, you know, exercise degree or anything like that. I don't know. I don't have any, you know, biometric data or any of these kinds of things. But, you know, all I can do is look at what Baseball Savant is kind of telling us and sort of apply my own context to what I think is going on. And yeah, that's something that I don't think you're going to see out there from other baseball analysts in the betting world. And I'm just trying to find us edges, man. That's all I'm trying to do is find us something that could give us an edge over the market that either other bettors aren't looking at or that the sports book sure as hell aren't looking at. So maybe that's the thing that I found with Alcantara and we'll see if he's able to turn it around here today. But that was something I did want to mention here uh, definitely during today's show, because those are things that they're not accounted for in the betting markets. They're not really going to be accounted for in a lot of people's handicaps, but they can sometimes help explain what's going on with some of these pitchers. And, you know, there's a, a release point change that's kind of led me towards a bet here today that I'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. The Cubs and the Nationals, the Cubs playing anywhere around $1.30 to $1.40 out there in the marketplace. Hayden Wisniewski and Trevor Williams in this one. This is kind of a start for Wisniewski, like I talked about with Blake Snell yesterday. And, and Blake Snell was fine in that start against the Reds. He wasn't dominant by any means or anything like that. But Wisniewski, 524 ERA, 603 FIP, giving up five homers and 22 and a third, only struck out 15 guys. So this is a guy that's not really performed all that well. But today is a chance to get back on track. The Nationals are a good offense against lefties. They're a borderline top 10 group, but they are a bottom five offense against righties. And Wisniewski is a righty. And this is the kind of lineup that you should be able to build a little bit of confidence off of. And he did do that in his start against Oakland, which, again, another confidence-building team for a lot of starting pitchers out there. So that's what I'm looking at here. You know, no play on the game. But even if I don't have a play, I'm looking for things that we can use in the future or at least some telltale signs about some guys. And for Wesneski, if he struggles in this start against a Washington team that does not hit righties at all, that's a pretty big red flag to me and something that I have to keep in mind as we go throughout the course of the season here. Moving over to the American League, because I got some plays in the National League here today, the Guardians and the Yankees, Tanner Bybee and Garrett Cole. I will be watching this game very, very closely, not just because I'm a Guardians fan, but because I really want to see how Tanner Bybee looks in his second start. First start was quality. 
against the Rockies. Struck out eight over five and a third. Gave up some soft contact, five and two thirds, excuse me. Gave up some soft contact in the sixth inning that led to a run, kind of threw things out of whack a little bit. I wish that Terry Francona would have let him finish the sixth, but he went to the bullpen and, you know, whatever. I mean, he's the manager, I guess. But, you know, for Bybee here, 213 ERA and 148 minor league innings, 186 strikeouts against 35 walks. He was kind of billed coming up as being sort of the next Shane Bieber in terms of his command and control. He throws harder than Bieber, though. So this will be an interesting second test for him. He does avoid Aaron Judge in that Yankees lineup, which is definitely not a bad thing. Uh, But, you know, we'll see how Bybee does in this start. And, of course, the baseline for Garrett Cole is just very impressive uh, at this point in time. 40 and two-thirds innings, he's given up five runs on 23 hits. Struck out 44, walked 11. Hasn't given up a home run. And remember, that was kind of the big thing with him last year. And I do think that to some degree, he may have been negatively impacted by that alleged Goldilocks ball that popped up later on in the year, specifically in a disproportionate number of Yankee games and also playoff games where that ball had a lot more jump, a lot more carry to it. I think Cole kind of ran into that a little bit. Uh, Also, maybe he just lost his command to some degree, and and that kind of thing happens. But Cole's been great here so far. Um, I didn't make a bet in this game, but uh, you can bet I'll be watching it. So I guess that's the bet to make in that one. One game where I got pretty close to taking an underdog, and I do think a lot of the underdogs are pretty interesting here today, but the game between the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, you got Yusei Kikuchi going for Toronto, Tanner Houck going for Boston. Kikuchi's a guy that I, I'm not ready to believe in what's happening here. 3.00 ERA, but a 487 FIP, 97.2% left on base percentage. That will absolutely not continue. Now, the six homers he's given up, three of them came in one start, and that was against the Angels, and six of the nine runs he's given up have come in that one start against the Angels. So, you know, look, I mean, the one big thing for Kikuchi that he's done differently this season is he's cut down on the walk rate, and he's cut down on it quite significantly. He's still allowing a 45.8% hard hit percentage, but also the walk rate is down so much that the hard contact really hasn't hurt him as much as it probably would have last season. With that being said, this is a guy that made a you know, a pitch usage change. He's throwing fastballs less often, more sliders, more changeups. That's a good idea. He's getting more chases, but his first pitch strike percentage is down this season. And I'm not entirely sure I'm buying that he's going to be this control artist all of the sudden. I think he's really close to having another major blow up type of outing like he had against the Angels. Does it come today against Boston? It's entirely possible, and if it does, it's going to piss me off because I didn't take him in this game here. But you know, if he still had the walk issue, Boston does have a high walk rate against lefties. They haven't done a whole lot with the contact that they've made against lefties, but they've done a good job of working walks and being really patient. So I think this is a really big start for Yusei Kikuchi to see if that decreased walk rate is legit and if it is going to stick around here throughout the majority of the season. But Tanner Houck, 450 ERA, 420 FIP. The thing about him is that it's a lot of ground balls. He's given up some hard hit contact, but 52.6% ground ball rate. That forces you to string together hits, and that can be a difficult thing 
So for Hauk, he's done a good job holding righties at bay, 260 weighted on base average. Lefties have done better. I got really close to betting Boston, and, and I think of the dogs that I got close to taking here today, that may be the one that I regret the most. So we'll see what happens in that game, but that is one that I think I will end up regretting a little bit. One more AL game to talk about here real quick, the Mariners and the A's. Bryce Miller making his debut for Seattle. Mason Miller making his third start for Oakland. Uh, Bryce getting the start because Easton McGee, who they called up last week, he's out. And then also Robbie Ray done for the season here. And Bryce Miller was good in double A AA and triple A last year. 322 ERA, good peripherals, good strikeout rate. He's a guy with a really heavy up in the zone fastball. Runs it up there in the mid to upper 90s. It's hard to get on top of. He's done a really good job in terms of preventing home runs in the minor leagues. Was a reliever at Texas A&M, actually, but then wound up being a starter as a senior and then during his final year anyway, and then got drafted by the Mariners who have used him as a starter throughout. This is a good ballpark for working up in the zone when you pitch at Oakland Coliseum. So as long as he's up there, up in the zone, the A's don't really hit for a lot of power. I almost laid this $1.40 price with Bryce Miller over Mason Miller. Mason Miller's a guy who's not worked deep into games here so far. Two starts, he's only worked eight and a third. He gave up 11 batted balls in his last start against the Angels, and every single one of them was at least 95 miles per hour and averaged 100.5 miles per hour. Probably should have taken Seattle here today, but you know we'll see how Bryce Miller does in his debut. Coming up on VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets, my thoughts on the interleague card, plus my four plays for Tuesday's action. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my <laughs> All right, we're back here on Vston Daily Baseball Bets. Rate, review, subscribe, five-star reviews. Always appreciated here with the podcast. And a good idea to subscribe. We got a lot of stuff going on on our Vston Twitter account. And I know yesterday the tweet for the podcast got out a little bit late. So make sure you subscribe, and then you'll get the episode right as it comes out, as opposed to having to wait for any kind of link share or anything like that. So you know, follow me on Twitter at Skating Tripods. That's the fastest way to get the article because I tweet that link out right after it gets posted. But also the quickest way to get the podcast would be to subscribe. All right, one game I really want to talk about, then a couple of other games I want to scratch the surface on from an interleague standpoint here. The Pirates and the Rays. Roancy Contreras and Javi Guerra in this one. And Guerra is the opener for Josh Fleming. And Fleming, of course, a left-handed guy, and the Pirates are a top five offense against lefties here so far this season. I think a lot of people may be kind of caught off guard by the line for this game where the Rays laying like a dollar sixty-five, a dollar seventy. Uh Guerra is a guy who's barely a borderline major league pitcher. Fleming is a guy who up until this season had really struggled in his MLB career. This is an interesting one, and I think it speaks to a couple of things. One is there's still some uncertainty, distrust. Uh, with the Pirates and their hot start. You know, I, I think that obviously you have to give them some measure of respect here for what they've done, and it's been very exciting to say the least. But I don't know how much respect they're really getting from a betting market standpoint, from the odds makers or from betters here. So that's one big takeaway. The second big takeaway is that, you know, the Rays, I think, are still priced a little bit high. You know, I think this is a team that will come back to earth a little bit as the sample size keeps increasing. The bullpen has a lot of negative regression candidates. The starting pitching has been in a state of flux, to say the least. Uh, but they're they're still pretty, priced pretty high out there in the marketplace, I think. And this game, kind of an example of that. Another game to touch on here, the Angels and the Cardinals. Patrick Sandoval, Steven Matz, a couple of left-handers here, taking on two lineups that hit lefties very, very well. Cardinals fifth and Woba. The Angels sixth in Woba against left-handed pitching here so far this season. This was another dog, though, that I thought about with the Angels and Patrick Sandoval. And quite simply, Steven Matz has a 48.7% hard hit percentage against. Patrick Sandoval's is 23.8%. So even though Sandoval's strikeout-to-walk ratio isn't all that impressive and FIP is correctly punishing him for it, he's given up a lot of really weak contact this year. And Mats has given up a lot of loud contact this year. So 
the one thing that concerned me a little bit is that Sandoval's two worst starts have been in the starts where he's had walk rate issues against the Yankees and the Red Sox, two of the better lineups that he's faced this season. Also, two of his starts have been against Oakland, and Oakland doesn't hit the ball hard at all. So a couple of concerns based on the competition that Sandoval has faced, but he's pitching really well here, especially in terms of his command, where Steven Matz is not. So we'll see how Matz does in this start against another good lineup against lefties. Got close on this dog, too, but, you know, look, and and sometimes you get a little bit gun-shy with underdogs, too, right? I mean, you know, they're not expected to win. That's why they're called the underdog. And, you know, you got to kind of pick and choose, I think, which underdogs you feel the strongest about. And I just didn't feel super strong about Sandoval or the Angels' bullpen, for that matter, uh, in that game. Another dog that I thought was kind of interesting here is the Texas Rangers. This one, Arizona and Texas, Zach Gallon and the Diamondbacks laying anywhere from $1.50 to $1.60 out there in the marketplace. And ultimately, I didn't want to step in front of Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon has a scoreless streak of 28 innings going. In his last four starts, 27 innings pitched, 11, 7, 11, and 12 strikeouts. As much as I like John Gray, as much as I think the Rangers are a decent team here this season, and as much as I think a dollar fifty-five with Arizona on the road is a pretty big ask against a competent starting pitcher, uh, it's hard to go against Zach Gallen with how good he's been over his last four starts. And you know he had a big stretch like this last year too, uh, with a big scoreless inning streak. So Gallen's just rolling right now. I'm not going to step in front of that. That being said, if he does struggle a little bit, maybe gets knocked around here. Uh, Maybe I will look to fade him in his next start, kind of playing on that idea of a team that's on a winning streak. If they lose, all of a sudden they start questioning things. They start tinkering with things, stuff like that. Could maybe look to go against Gallon in his next start if he does struggle here tonight against the Rangers. All right, let's get to the four plays that I do have here so I don't run too long with today's show. But we start in Colorado. We got Milwaukee and Colorado, the Brewers and the Rockies in this one. Freddie Peralta on the bump for the Brewers. Ryan Feltner going for the Rockies here in this one. And let me start this handicap by saying that while Ryan Feltner has a 468 ERA and a 395 FIP, and that seems pretty decent for a Rockies pitcher, four of his five starts have been on the road. The only home start came against Washington. And as we know, Washington, a much better lineup against righties than they are, excuse me, a much better lineup against lefties than they are against righties. Feltner is a right-handed guy. In his career, 666 ERA, 526 FIP at Coors Field, and his strikeout percentage is down 6.1% at home compared to what it is on the road. Second big thing about this game, we have a massive defensive advantage for the Brewers in this game. They lead the league in defensive runs saved with 25, There's a Fangraph's all-encompassing defensive metric labeled DEF that takes into account all of their defensive stats. Colorado is number one in the league in that department. Or excuse me, Milwaukee. Jesus. Milwaukee is number one in that department. Colorado is 29th. Colorado also dead last in StatCast's outs above average metric. So Milwaukee first in defensive runs saved, first in that Fangraph's DEF metric, Colorado 29th in DEF and dead last in StatCast's outs above average metric. So Milwaukee starting pitcher advantage with Freddie Peralta, big defensive advantage, which matters a ton. 
at Coors Field. And then also, the Rockies have scored just 4.8 runs per game at home this season, and opponents have scored 7.7. Feltner's had walk issues. The Brewers are fifth in walk rate against right-handed pitching. I took the Brewers for the first five run line, so that's minus half a run at minus 115. I think if you only have access to the full game run line, that's okay here in this spot as well. Uh, The reason I didn't take it is that the first five run line was the same juice at minus 115. The second is that the Brewers kind of have a pitch to contact bullpen. So if Peralta doesn't work all that deep into this game, that would be a little bit concerning with Milwaukee's bullpen. But ultimately, better lineup, better defense, better starter, better bullpen. Brewers first five run line minus half a run minus 115. But again, the minus one and a half minus 115 for the full game, I think also looks okay. One of the big dogs I did play here today, the Cincinnati Reds. They take on the San Diego Padres. Padres primarily a minus 200, minus 205 favorite out there in the marketplace. This is Graham Ashcraft going up against Michael Waka. And, you know, yesterday you had Luke Weaver and Blake Snell. And Graham Ashcraft is objectively better and a lot better at that than Luke Weaver. And Blake Snell is a good bit better than Michael Waka as well despite the concerns I do have about Blake Snell for this season. And yesterday, you know, at least with the DraftKings line, the Reds were plus 180 with Weaver versus Snell. Today, the Reds are plus 175 with Ashcraft versus Waka. That seems like a bit of a mispricing to me here. The Reds, look, they're 3-11 and on the road, but they only have a minus 12 run differential, so they don't really deserve to be that bad away from home here. But Graham Ashcraft, seven runs allowed on 20 hits and 30 innings of work. He has had a bit of a walk, strikeout to walk rate issue, but he's done such a good job limiting hard contact. 31.3% hard hit percentage for the season. He is just a tough guy to hit. His raw stuff is really, really good. You know, his pitches kind of comp to guys like Corbin Burns and Jacob deGrom. Those guys aren't bad. And Ashcraft also throws with premier velocity. So. I like him. I think he's got a good chance at keeping his team very much in this game here with that plus 175 ticket. And Michael Waka hasn't been good. 675 ERA, 446 FIP. Yeah, he's gotten a little bit unlucky. 61% left on base percentage, 367 batting average on balls and play against, but he just hasn't located all that well. The command profile is just not particularly good for Michael Waka. And also for the Reds here, you know, their bullpen, which I had severe questions about coming into the season, they're third in F4 this year. So this Reds bullpen has been better than I expected. Uh, I think the Reds for the full game is a better gamble. They're plus 145 or so for the first five. Give me the extra 30 cents, because I think if they do have a lead here, it means Ashcraft worked deep into the game and they can kind of shorten the game, use their better relievers here. So I think Reds plus 175 worth a gamble on today's card. Another dog, and this is the one that I teased a little bit earlier in the show here, is the Philadelphia Phillies. They're plus 135 against the Los Angeles Dodgers, a total of eight in this game. And we are seeing a little bit of movement here now, uh, a little bit more movement, I should say, on Matt Strom and the Phillies. So Matt Strom has been terrific this year. 231 ERA, 279 FIP. He struck out 32 guys, hasn't really walked a whole lot of dudes. And as we know, the Dodgers have not been good against lefties so far this season. And Matt Strom is a left-hander. 
Dodgers are 26th in weighted on base average against lefties, 28% strikeout percentage, just about. I think it's 27.9% for them. And Strom has struck out 36% of the batters he's faced so far this season. And more importantly, 28 of the 75 right-handed batters that he's faced. Also, only seven walks out of 89 batters faced. And the one thing that's kind of a saving grace for the Dodgers offense, especially against lefties, is being able to draw walks. But I don't think they're going to do that here in this game against Strom. So I think this is a good matchup for Matt Strom in this spot. But here's why I really took the Phillies in this game. I think Julio Urias is is struggling right now. 14 runs allowed in his last 14 and two-thirds innings. He's given up six home runs. Yeah, he still has 35 strikeouts in 32 and two-thirds. Yeah, his hard hit percentage is still well above average, but it is a career high for him at 35.5%. But his average exit velocity is up about one and a half miles per hour from last year, up nearly two miles per hour from his career. His fastball spin rate is down about 100 RPM from last year. His fastball velocity is down. And this is one where I looked at the release point data and Urias's vertical release point is dropping. Now, when that happens, it could be a sign of a mechanical issue. It could be kind of a tracking error. I will readily admit those are two possible outcomes, but also it can be a sign of arm fatigue or injury. And I think when you group the decline of his release point to go along with the results that we've seen here, there may be something to this. Now, last year in 175 innings, Urias only allowed 127 hits. He's given up 22 hits in his last three starts alone. So this is a spot where I think this guy is just not really locating well. He throws his fastball a lot, but opposing hitters this year batting 339 with a 571 slugging percentage. The fastball is not good right now for this guy, and I think it's a decent chance to jump on him. The Phillies are getting Bryce Harper back in all likelihood here tonight. I like the plus 135 on Philadelphia with a fade of Julio Urias. And also, I think that you know the Phillies bullpen is pretty decent and it's rested. So I'm good with that. So I like the Phillies plus 135. Lastly here, and this may be in a year where we've had a lot of incredible stats and notes and nuggets and all that kind of thing. How about this one? The longest winning streak this season for the Chicago White Sox is one game. One game win in a row. They have not won consecutive games yet this season. And I don't think they do it today either against the Minnesota Twins. You got Joe Ryan on the bump for the Twins, Michael Kopech going for Chicago. Um look, I mean Kopech's been bad. 701 ERA, 986 expected ERA, 744 FIP. Yeah, his first start against the Giants was really terrible, but even beyond that, his average exit velocity by start 90.3, and that was the game he gave up five home runs in. 93.7, 97.2, 91.7, 92.2. His hard hit percentage, 58.1%. His barrel percentage is 23%. He is not commanding the ball at all whatsoever. Joe Ryan is. Joe Ryan, breakout season for him. He's gone at least six innings in every start. 36 strikeouts against four walks and 32 innings of work. His new splitter has neutralized lefties. Righties aren't hitting him either. 
He has allowed some hard contact, and that's because he's a strike thrower and he's very aggressive around the zone. But the White Sox are 25th in hard hit percentage, 34.7%, 20th in barrel percentage, 7.3%. The Twins, meanwhile, are top 10 in both. I laid the Twins run line here, minus one and a half, minus 115. Better bullpen, better starter, better lineup, better matchup, better everything. Better prepared for games, obviously. So I like the Twins here, minus one and a half, minus 115. So to run this all down, Brewers, first five run line, minus half a run, minus 115 against the Rockies. The Reds, plus 175 with Graham Ashcraft on the bump. The Phillies, plus 135 in a fade of Julio Urias. And then finally, you got the Twins run line, minus one and a half, minus 115. A little bit long of a show, but I can tell you the article was almost 6,000 words today, so uh, hopefully you get this however you prefer to absorb the content. But thanks so much to everybody for listening, as always, for checking out VSIN Daily Baseball Bets. Follow me on Twitter, at Skating Tripods. Check out the article over at vsin.com Monday through Saturday, and I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of VSIN Daily Baseball Bets. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.